Show of hands, how many of you made it to midnight? Wow, there's some little hands too. I did not, okay? <laughs> 11 p.m. hit and I went down. I, was, I could not do it. But Happy New Year to all of you. Thank you for being here. Uh, 2023 is upon us. My name is Tony. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, you know, turn of the new year uh, oftentimes is a really reflective time for many of us, right? We look back at the previous year that we had, what we accomplished, memorable moments, resolutions that died out <laughs> back in January of 2022, right? But what, every year what we do is we make resolutions. We look back at the previous year and we look forward to the new one, hoping that it will be better. So anyone know what the most common resolution is? Lose weight? Yeah. Get healthier? It's actually watch more Netflix. You know, I don't know. No, it's not. It's really not. That's what we do instead of losing weight (laughs) and getting more exercise, which are the common ones. No, but every year, the things we want to do, we want to get healthier, right? We want to get more exercise, save more money. We want to get more sleep. We want to use our time more wisely. These are the resolutions people make every single year. And the reason we do that, some people don't, that's okay. But the reason a lot of us make resolutions is we want the new year to be better, right? All the aspirations, all those things are meant to improve our lives, improve our well-being. We want 2023 to be more prosperous than 2022, When we arrive at the new year, we find ourselves thinking about three things, right? We think about our past, present, and future. We look back at the previous year, we make resolutions in the present, and then we hope for the future. But I want you to imagine this scenario, okay? Imagine, what if you knew with absolute certainty that this upcoming year was going to be the most prosperous year of your life? That compared to every other year you have been on this earth, 2023 was going to be objectively, measurably better in every way. Imagine if you knew that you were going to be more financially secure than you've ever been, that you're going to be in the best physical shape of your life, and that your living situation is just going to be better than it has ever been before. At the end of the year, you would use the word prosperous to define 2023. Now imagine knowing that with absolute confidence today. How would knowing that information impact your relationship with God? How would your heart change toward God, if at all? Would it be a positive change or would it actually maybe be a negative change? See, for me, I would like to think that my heart would be grateful Right? That, that I would see that prosperous year as, as a blessing from God. That my spiritual life would really thrive alongside my physical and material life. But when we look in the scripture, we actually see how prosperity in our earthly life can often have a negative impact on our spiritual life. How earthly prosperity can often cause us to lose sight of the things that truly matter. This situation happened in the Old Testament. God was on the verge of leading his chosen people, the Israelites, into this land that he had promised them. And this was after years and years of hardship and turmoil. But as they were about to enter this place, a place where they would be more prosperous than they had ever been before, God spoke to them about the very things we think about this time of year. He spoke to them about their past, about their present, and about their future. And this morning, we're going to see 
what God told to his people. So if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open up to the book of Deuteronomy. The book of Deuteronomy is in the Old Testament, so it's near the front of your Bible. It's actually the fifth book of the Old Testament. And because many of us, we're not familiar with the Old Testament, we're more familiar with the New, the Gospels, the Epistles, things like that, I'm going to give us a brief overview of the first five books of the Old Testament. If you're starting a Bible reading plan this year, you're going to be here for a while. So here you go. But the first four books of the Bible are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And then you get to Deuteronomy, okay? The book of Genesis is really the beginning of everything. God created the world and it outlines the first major events in history that are really important. The fall of mankind, right? You had the the great flood with, with Noah and then you had Abraham and the covenant that God made with him. But then Genesis ends and you find yourself in the book of Exodus. The people of God are enslaved in Egypt. And then in the book of Exodus, God frees the Israelites through the work of a guy named Moses. You know the song, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, oh baby, let my people go. That's the book of Exodus right there. Oh baby is not in the Bible, but that's okay. But that's the book of Exodus. Then the people are on their way out. And then you have the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is really a guidebook. In the book of Exodus, they got the law given to them. And Leviticus is really the guidebook for the people of God. And how they were to live, how their lives were to reflect this law that God had given in them. And then Numbers, the book of Numbers is kind of this highlight reel. It's kind of various events that happened to the people of God as they prepared to enter the land God had promised them. So that's kind of the overview of the first four books. And then we get to Deuteronomy, where we're going to be this morning. Deuteronomy is a collection of sermons that Moses gave to the Israelites about 40 days before they entered into the promised land. Up until this point, after leaving Egypt, the people had been wandering and living in the wilderness for 40 years, which is really crazy because the the time it should have taken the Israelites to get from where they were to the promised land, if you look at it, it was about two weeks That's all it would have taken them. But they wandered aimlessly in the desert because of their faithlessness, because of their disobedience to God. So God had them wander in the wilderness for 40 years. He told that first generation of people, you are not going into the promised land. Your children will. The second second generation will, but you will not. And even though Moses was chosen to lead the people out of slavery and into the promised land, he himself didn't go into the promised land either because he wasn't faithful to God. He disobeyed. So God took him up to this mountain. He says, Moses, look, that's the promised land. You will not go in, but this other generation of people will. So that's where we're at in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is preaching these sermons to the people 40 days away from entering this place out of where they've been for 40 years. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 8, starting in verse 2. Moses says this, Remember that the Lord your God led you on the entire journey these 40 years in the wilderness so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart. Whether or not you would keep his commands, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Then he gave you manna to eat, which you and your ancestors had not known, so that you might learn that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your feet did not swell these 40 years. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you just as a man disciplines his son. Let's jump to verse 15. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with its poisonous snakes and scorpions, a thirsty land where there was no water. He brought water out of the flint rock for you. He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your ancestors had not known, in order to humble and test you, so that in the end he might cause you 
to prosper. Okay, so as the people of God prepared to enter this land that was promised them, they're encouraged to look back at where they had been for 40 years. Moses tells them, hey, remember, call these things to mind. And what Moses does is he does that. He brings all these things to mind for the people of God that God had done over the last 40 years. First, he says, remember how God humbled you. The Israelites were reminded over and over again of their need for God, of of his provision, how they all would have perished in the wilderness without God. Now, we know what it means to be humbled, right? To be humbled means to be reminded of, of who you are, to be reminded maybe of your lower position in comparison to someone else. And that's what God did. He often reminded these people, hey, you're not me. You can't do this on your own. You need me all the time. God would let them go hungry so that he could provide for them. He, he let their clothing not wear out. Their feet never swelled. Forty years wearing sandals in the desert. They were humbled all the time by God's continual provision. Next, the text says that God disciplined these people like a good parent does for their child. What happened in the wilderness was God's people disobeyed all the time. Well, while they were walking toward this land that was prepared for them, that's why they wandered as long as they did for 40 years, because they were frequently disobeying God. And God did for the people what a good mom or a good dad does for children that they love. He disciplined them. He corrected their disobedience. Now, discipline is a really interesting thing because it's never pleasant in the moment, right? You never like being disciplined. You don't like giving the discipline, but it's beneficial. We see this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11. It says, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, discipline yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. We discipline our kids because we love them. Right? We don't want them to continue in waywardness or to continue uh, in disobedience. And God did that for the people. He didn't let them continue going in ways that were detrimental. He would discipline them. He would bring them back. Next, it says that God led you through danger in the wilderness. In verse 15, we see the wilderness described that these people lived in. And it was, Moses described it as a great and terrible wilderness, okay? This place wasn't a hike through Waldemar Nature Center on Saturday morning, okay? That's not where they were living. They were living in a desert filled with snakes and scorpions, and they lived in tents, and God protected them in all of that. Next, it said that God brought water out of a rock for you. This, this land that they lived in was a desert. It was thirsty. So they needed water. So God made water come out of a rock for these people. And then finally, he fed them with manna in the wilderness. Every single day, the people would wake up. They would go outside, and they would find the food they needed. They didn't have to hunt for it. They didn't have to wait in line at the grocery store. They didn't have to save any of it. They walked out. They had exactly as much as they needed every single day for 40 years. What Moses does is he's reminding the people of God's presence in their lives while they were in the wilderness. As they were on the verge of prosperity, on the verge of of goodness, the first thing they were encouraged to do, remember. Remember how God has been faithful to you. How well do you do at that? Are you disciplined in remembering? How often do you call to mind 
God's faithfulness in your life. This is often a challenge for me. Uh, I think for a few reasons, but one is remembering any information is a challenge for me. Uh, I'm just in and out. Like, that's kind of how I am. Like, when, when my wife Danielle and I are out and about, we often will do this for each other. We'll say, hey, oh, can you remind me of this thing? Remind me to connect with that person or remind me to, to do this thing. And when I ask her to do that, she's like, yep. And she is faithful to remind me because her mind is a steel trap. When she asks me, I'm like, yep. And here's what I do. Siri, Remind me to remind Danielle <laughs> at 9 p.m. Because I don't remember. I don't know why. It, it, her brain's a steel trap. Mine's a colander, okay? It's just like it's going out as soon as it's coming in. But, but this happens to us, right? Like, why? Why do we forget? Like, apart from general absent-mindedness, like, why do we forget what we should remember? Well, sometimes it's a matter of urgency, Whatever we're being asked to remember, it's not really as important or pressing as as all the other information that's in our minds that day, so it moves to the back of the line or out the calendar, if you're me, right? But, But other times we forget because we don't value it in the first place. We don't remember because it's not something we often prioritize at all. We don't have a rhythm or we don't have a discipline of of remembering what we should. And I think that happens to us when it comes to remembering God's faithfulness. When it comes to remembering what he has done, how he's provided, we forget. We don't remember how he's humbled us, how he's disciplined us, how he's led us through hardship in the wilderness seasons that we experience or brought us into the prosperous seasons too. And our lack of of remembering God's faithfulness in the past, it impacts our present lives with him. It really does. Take a minute. Think about this past year. Think about 2022. How have you seen God's faithfulness over the past year? How has God provided for you? How has he humbled you? How has he disciplined you? Moses encouraged the people to remember where they've been and how how God has been with them, how even in the wilderness, the great and terrible desert, God was faithful. Because doing that, remembering God's faithfulness, would impact their present lives with him. We see this in verse 6 as we continue on. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 6. Keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs, deep water sources flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat, barley, vines, figs, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land where you will eat food without shortage, where you will lack nothing, a land whose rocks are iron and from whose hills you will mine copper. When you eat and are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Moses moves on from their past and he starts going into the present of what their life is going to be like, the land and life God is bringing them into. But but put yourself in the shoes of these people for a minute. Imagine living in a desert for 40 years, wandering, setting up camp, tearing it down, wandering around, setting up camp, tearing it down, over and over again. That is a camping trip since 1983. 
No way. Like, no. Like, I know some of us are like, off the grid living. No, I'm not going to do a 40-year camping trip, okay? But, but listen, put yourself in that place, and then you hear what's ahead of you. You hear the life God is bringing you into. He says it's a good land, a land with streams and springs and food and olive oil and honey, a place where you would eat food without shortage. You were going to a place where you were going to lack nothing. Everything you need is provided. Moses tells them when you eat and you are full, you will bless the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. This picture painted for the people of God is the complete opposite of where they had been. Because the only life they'd ever known has been in the wilderness. Remember, this generation of people were born there. They don't remember what it was like to be a slave in Egypt. They were second generation people. They weren't the disobedient ones, the unfaithful ones. These were the children of those people. So all they had known was desert and wilderness and scorpions. They had never lived in a place like this one God had prepared, a place of abundance. And Moses tells them, when you enjoy this land, while you eat and you're full, do not pat yourselves on the back. Don't think that this was your doing. Don't think that you earned this. Praise God for his provision. Thank him because it's all him. In just 10 verses, we see an incredible range of life experience. Years in the wilderness, and years of prosperity. And we experience those same seasons of life, don't we? Wilderness and prosperity, hardship and plenty. Times in our life where we're just tired and we're hot and we just wish we had some peace, some rest, those wilderness seasons. And there's other times when we eat and we drink and we thank God. Or maybe we forget God in those seasons. But what season of life are you in right now? Is it wilderness or is it prosperity? Whatever season you're in today, how is God providing for you in that? What can you look at in this present moment, this Sunday morning, January 1st? What can you look at in your life and what can you bless God for? Because regardless of whatever season you're in, whatever came to mind for you right now, the words that Moses shares with the Israelites in verse 6 are a really powerful reminder for us. He says this, Keep the commands of the Lord your God by walking in his ways and fearing him. Wherever God has you in this moment, you should continue to walk in his ways, the ways he has shown us in his word. The encouragement for the people of God was the same thing. As they were on the verge of prosperity, they were to continue to walk in faithfulness to God. And we see why this is such an important encouragement to these people because Moses is about to talk to them about their future. After they're settled in this land, this is what he tells them. Verse 11. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God, by failing to keep his commands, ordinances, and statutes that I'm giving you today. When you eat and are full and you build beautiful houses to live in and your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold multiply and everything else you have increases, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud. 
and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Verse 17, you may say to yourself, my power and my own ability have gained this wealth for me. But remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. In order to confirm his covenant, he swore to your ancestors as it is today. If, if you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods to serve them and bow and worship to them, I testify against you today, you will certainly perish. Like the nations the Lord is about to destroy before you, you will perish if you do not obey the Lord your God. Finally, after God takes them to their past, talks to them about their present, he speaks to them about their future. But the words he gives them are a warning. He tells them twice in those verses, be careful. And the two things he, he warns them of, tells them to be careful of, are forgetfulness and pride. Be careful that you don't forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commands and be, be careful that your heart doesn't become proud and that you forget the Lord. God knew that as his chosen people were about to enter a time of prosperity and provision, that their hearts were going to wander. That they would be tempted to forget that it was God that provided everything for them. And not only would they be tempted to forget, but they would actually be tempted to take credit for it. Look at what we did. We did this. We brought ourselves here. This is what prosperity often brings with it. We forget God and we take credit for his provision and we claim it as our own. It's so easy for us to look at our lives and, and say the very thing that it says in verse 17, my power, my abilities have gained this wealth for me. That's the American dream. Look at everything I've built, my career, my family, my portfolio, my little kingdom. It's mine. I did that. But look at verse 18, the very next verse. Remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. Whatever we have in our lives, our families, to our health, to our relationships, to our children, from the amount in our retirement portfolio to the amount of groceries we have in the fridge, God gives us that. He gives us the power to gain wealth. And what we do with that wealth is we often forget. We forget God. The words of Charles Spurgeon, pastor in London from the 1800s, reminds us of this. He says this, when God prospers you in business, or prospers you anywhere, really, life, relationships, anything, and takes away sickness and removes cause of sorrow, it sometimes happens that the evil of forgetting God begins with an almost imperceptible alienation of heart from him. You do not notice it. You'd be very grieved if you did, but your heart begins to grow cold. And the love to your Lord that once burned in your soul is not as fervent as it used to be. And this condition of spirit very speedily shows itself in increasing fondness for worldly things. To have riches may be a blessing to you, but for the riches to have you must be a great curse to you. There are some who have abundance of temporal things given to them and they make good use of them, so they may be thankful for them. But there are others who are carried away by these temporal things 
which thus become the source of all sorts of calamities. A man may have a fine house and a beautiful garden, and he may be thankful for them. So far, so good. But he may fall into the sin of making a heaven of that house and garden. And so they will be a cause of sin. He may be wealthy, and that will be a good thing if he uses his money aright. But by and by, he may begin to feel that the one thing worth living for is to have money. And that will be an evil If you've acquired a certain amount of money and you feel that you're a person of importance simply because you have so much wealth, you are putting earthly things into the place God alone should occupy. In prosperity, we forget. We become prideful. It's so easy for us to forget God in times of plenty, to make material things a heaven instead of enjoying them and glorifying God for them, and using them for him. Where in your life have you forgotten God? Are there any places in your heart that are, that are prideful instead of thankful? Where do you need to trust God for your future? We're no different than those people wandering in the wilderness on the verge of prosperity, In times of plenty, we forget when we should remember and we take credit instead of saying thank you. See, at the turn of every new year, what happens is we're hopeful, right? We we hope that this new year will be one of abundance. We make resolutions in hopes that the next year will be better. But as we do that, we don't see how prosperity often sets our hearts on a trajectory away from God instead of closer to him. As the Israelite people were on the verge of immediate blessing, land, provision, abundance, they were urged by God, remember me. Continue to walk in my ways. Don't forget my faithfulness to you. Remain humble. Only worship me. Don't become proud and arrogant. If you read on from the book of Deuteronomy, you get to see how this played out. They forgot him. They became prideful. There were turbulent years for the people of God, and God remained faithful to them. I don't know what kind of years ahead of you. I don't know what kind of years ahead of me, right? We don't know what words we're going to use to describe 2023 next December, and that's okay. Because regardless of whatever is in front of us, wilderness or abundance, desert or plenty, our heart posture should be the same. Gratitude, thankfulness, humility. Those words should describe the posture of our hearts because in the midst of whatever we walk through, as followers of Jesus, we can be thankful that we know God. And that we're known by him. I love what it says in Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. It says, This is what the Lord says The wise person should not boast in his wisdom, the strong should not boast in his strength, the wealthy should not boast in his wealth, but the one who boasts should boast in this that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth. For I delight in these things. This is the Lord's 
declaration. If you've put your faith in the gospel, the finished work that Jesus accomplished for you through his life, through his death on the cross for your sins, through his resurrection, you know God. You are known by him. That is your boast. That is your pride. That is what we are to remember. And if you haven't done that, if you're not yet a Christian, consider Jesus today. Choose to put your trust in him. Begin to see your life for what it truly is, not something you've built. It's not your kingdom. It's not your stuff. It's what God has blessed you with to make more of him and less of you. Next week, we're going to start a new series here at Riverview where we're going through the gospel of Mark. If you have made a resolution to to read more of the Bible this year, which is a great thing to do, I would really encourage you, read the gospel of Mark. Spend time there. We're going to be in this gospel for four months. And every Sunday, what we're going to do is we're going to see Jesus over and over again. His life, his miracles, his teachings, his provision, what he did for us. As the new year starts today, as you think about resolutions and and changes you want to make to your life, my encouragement to you is this. Resolve to remember the Lord. Think about the past. How has God been faithful to you this last year? Think about the present. How is God providing for you right now, this morning? Then think about the future. Where do you need to trust God for what's next? And don't only answer those questions today. Think about those questions all the time. Every month, every week, every day. Resolve to remember the Lord. Look back at his faithfulness to you. Thank him for his provision that day. And trust him with your future. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have given us your word so that we can know you. God, that we can see people like us and we can see how you were faithful to them and we can take heart in knowing that you are faithful to us. God, as I think about the new year, I'm hopeful I'm excited, but God, I know that I can be prone to forget you, or I can be prone to take credit for things that you have given as a gift, and God, I pray that you help me be humble. I pray that you help me be grateful. I pray that for our church family here this morning, God, that as we enter the new year this morning together, that we can resolve to remember you every single day, and be grateful. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.